What's going on, everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of the Core Consult RX Podcast. Cole and I are missing our buddy AJ tonight. We are. I think he started school back, so we figured we'd give him a break. You know, he's not the only one who started school back. Everybody else in Charleston did, and so traffic is bad again. Oh, it's par- it's terrible. It's so sad. Yeah. I, I, you know, the summers are great. Traffic is slim. You get where you need to go. You get used to that. Yeah. Then August happens, and you remember, <laughs> remember what it was like. Right. Remember when uh, when COVID first happened? How there was zero like driving to the clinic and stuff like that. How little traffic. It was nuts. Oh yeah, it was crazy. Oh, it was amazing. But you know, interestingly, there was a lot of uh, car accidents even during COVID hmm. because people, the, the roads were free. So uh, people were driving like people, people were driving like, like you for the most part. There's no rules. First of all, that's outlandish <laughs> to, put, to put that on record that if I don't obey the traffic laws. I, yeah, uh, I know you're a stickler for this. I am very much so. I have a governor on my car. <laughs> keep me from, keep me from speeding. So, uh, we are doing an episode tonight that is once again, uh, credited, um, ACPE accredited, for continuing education for our, our pharmacists and nursing colleagues. Um, again, thanks to FreeCE.com. Um, we've partnered with them, and uh, they've had us back once again. Um, we're steadily building this library of accredited episodes. I'm liking it. But uh, this is a accredited episode, so for those of you who are members of um, FreeCE.com and have unlimited membership um, accounts, then after you get done listening to this episode, go to the link in the show notes. You'll be prompted to... Enter a secret password. Don't tell anybody, but it's vaccine, all capital letters. And uh, then you'll take a post-activity test. Pass the test. You get your credit for one hour. And uh, you get to keep your license another year. So that's good news for everybody. It's great. If you're not a member of FreeCE.com, as we've said many times, please check out their library of various mono, uh, monographs. They have live CEs. They have podcast episodes that are okay um they're it's us <laughs> see what i did there Cole? spoiler yeah and humble, uh humble brag yeah yeah and all kinds of uh, other really good content on their website so um having unlimited access uh, unlimited membership rather it gives you access to all of it and um it's very convenient and uh so definitely check that out and we also have a discount uh code in the show notes as well. There's a link that'll take you to the checkout and give you a, um, a discount code to get that unlimited membership. And then you can learn as much as you want. It's unlimited. Unlimited. So definitely check them out. Thanks again uh, to freece.com. We really appreciate them continuing to work with us. You know, it's funny how, um, I'm digressing by the way. Oh, cool. It's funny how we say during COVID, like the streets were clear Mm -hmm. as if it's like a period of time, like a set period of time during COVID. Yeah. It's like the prehistoric era. Yeah. You know, eventually they will refer to it that way. It's like the COVID era, two two years or whatever it ended up being. Yeah, definitely. uh, Yeah, I guess, I mean, because, yeah, technically it's still here. But we mean, what do we mean by that? We mean during the um, restriction, like when people were at home. When we had no idea what the heck was yeah. going on or how to treat it or that's what, what to do. That's what during COVID means. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because we would have never have gotten one. Not that we needed to clarify everybody understands, but that's no, this we, is just we for, would have definitely gotten one email going, oh, well, you think COVID's gone? Well, oh, wow. Yeah, we would have gotten at least one of those. Come this on. is It's for posterity, for right. when our, our future generations are listening to this episode and saying, what do they mean by during COVID? Oh, man. Could you imagine if future generations were they had nothing better to listen to than us? That would be terrible. Their ACIP guidelines are so out of date. <laughs> well, it was recorded 75 years ago. <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, hopefully there'll be uh, I seriously doubt podcasts will be a thing 75 years from now. It'll just be like something you implant in your head and yeah. upload all the information, like the Matrix or something. Yeah. Probably. Speaking of which. Yeah. Speaking of the we're Matrix. We're about to upload some information to your brain. Let's talk about vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't done a vaccine episode, what, since like the 30th episode in the 30s somewhere? Four years. Four, ye- four years? Four years. A lot's happened in four years. Yeah. Like the podcast. I think we started, what, four years Five, four and a half. 2018. Oh, dude, is this going to be going on? No, this will be four years, right? Yeah. Um, you think we know how long we've been doing this? I know. I, I got to go back. We're, we're, I, on, we're at three and a half years right it was, now. I'm pretty sure the first like official one was like January 2018. Yeah. We might have dabbled in a couple things like the end of 2017, but yeah. really it was January 2018. Yeah. Oh, so, so yeah. We're coming up on five. Yeah. Ooh. That's half a century. <laughs> A century? Half a decade. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what's, uh, are we sure about that? <laughs> yeah, we're not really good on uh, terminology when it comes the, to dates. On That's Latin. one of the things we struggle with here, Latin here at Core Consult Rx. Or Greek. Yeah, whatever what do you think it is. That is. Roman numerals. Roman. Roman. Okay. Yeah, we speak Roman. Uh, but yeah, we mentioned the code was vaccine. So we're talking about vaccines. We're talking specifically about the updated um, ACIP guidelines uh, for 2022, right? Yep. Yes. So uh, since we've done vaccines, um, there's a lot of new stuff. COVID vaccine, for instance, uh, new pneumococcal vaccines, uh, various different recommendations related to vaccines that we already have. Um, So we're going to do some background on vaccines, immunology in general, uh, and then we're going to walk you through the updated guideline. Yeah? Yes, sir. So types of immunization let's kind of go through active versus passive just briefly um so when we talk about like most vaccinations we're talking about them inducing active immunity by basically promoting the development um, of an you know antibody uh in the patient that received the vaccine so that you know response is going to then hopefully be prolonged and and they will have uh, those antibodies present in case they ever encounter the virus or bacteria whatever it is Passive immunization um, is where we're talking about the administration of like a globulin product, um, which is going to help kind of produce this transient immunity um, for a specific exposure. Um, you know, if it, so for instance, if someone was not able to get like a vaccine, uh, like to go overseas, let's say, and, you know, they couldn't get their hep A vaccine um, for whatever reason, maybe they would get um, some kind of a globulin product to sort of spike a uh an immune response, but then it doesn't cover the same that a, an actual vaccine would. Um, so with when we talk about active immunization, um, the, the goal of that is to give uh, a primary immune response. Um, so we're hopefully going to be inducing B cell proliferation, antibody response, T cell sensitization, um, which also comes into play when we talk about like polysaccharide versus conjugate vaccines. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, and that's going to hopefully then, uh, again, if the, allow the patient's body immune system to recognize a pathogen and hopefully, uh, take action to keep the patient safe. Um, 
passive uh, immunization, again, is where we're administering, or administering the actual antibodies themselves. And, uh, um, you know, it gives us a short-term protection, um, and it's towards a specific pathogen. Um, and we, we tend to use these towards patients that are, like, immunocompromised or something like that um, to kind of get them through that period of time. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's one of those things that we would – Right, we would more so want the active uh, immunization because it's going to be more effective and more long term. Yes, absolutely. And as we go through the schedules, uh, we're going to focus on adults today. Um, there is a lot of different things for children. We're going to focus on adults today. Um, it is important to stick to the schedules as best we can, um, but it's not dire, I guess. So every effort should be made to adhere to them. But if, for whatever reason, a interval is prolonged, it's not necessary to restart a series of any of these vaccines. Actually, it's it's not necessarily recommended. Um, if the um, if it's prolonged, then give the vaccine as soon as you can, and then adhere to whatever the uh, schedule is from then on. So I think that's important to to point out. Most adult vaccines. Uh, of course, are going to be either IM, intramuscular, or sub-Q, subcutaneous. Uh, usually, that we'll see that that's not always has to be the case, but usually it's over the deltoid muscle. Um, interestingly, you might be concerned about a patient who's currently anticoagulated. Um, it is not a contraindication to um, getting a vaccine. And there, there was a study looking at the flu vaccines, um, either sub-Q or IM, and there were no greater adverse effects, uh, including hemorrhage, with the intramuscular vaccines. Even though that's the case, they do recommend a 23-gauge or smaller needle, uh, just in case. Apply firm pressure after giving the vaccine. Don't rub for a couple minutes, and that'll help with any uh, bleeding issues. I think the length of the needle is something, too, that never really gets... It's, we either yeah. do the five-eighths inch for sub-Q, and then om- at and then least one in my inch, experience, almost always. almost always gets one inch. Yeah. But technically speaking, that's not 100% accurate um because if a patient is uh getting an intramuscular injection you could use a 5 8 needle um if they're a really you know lightweight adult so if they weigh less than 130 pounds you technically could get away with a 5 8 you know inch needle which is we typically think of being reserved for sub q but that can help your patient patient who's maybe uh um you know a frail elderly patient that you know we don't need to stick this giant needle right. in their arm if we don't have to no i had many i had many instances not only of hitting bone we always hear the stories about hitting bone which fortunately it doesn't really hurt people it just kind of feels like a bump um but many instances of these poor old ladies when i'd have this one inch massive needle that i'm sticking in and then more than half the thing is sticking out of their arm and i've already hit their bone you know which mm-hmm. is i mean they're still going to get the immunization but it would be probably more pleasant to use a 5 8 inch at that point. Did you have the conversation with them that you should probably start doing more shoulder press? <laughs> yeah. To sort I, of build their... I talked to them about that resistance good, exercise. Good, good, good. Yeah. Because they need to build up that muscle. Let's... <laughs> come on. You're going to have bigger delts than that. Uh, but yes, I, I, I would switch to um, a 5 8 inch to, to avoid that. But when you're giving 100 a day, sometimes it's hard to... You <laughs> yeah. know, you don't yes. even know who you're about... You don't even know... Ex- you haven't seen the person yet that you're about to immunize and you're like, line up, everybody. Five of you. Just, that is that is true. Yeah. Um, in fact... <laughs> Speaking of not seeing the patient before immunization, <laughs> uh, I had a when, when I first got licensed, I was doing you know dispensing pharmacy and whatnot, and uh, I, I want to say this was probably my first vaccine I'd given as a you know licensed pharmacist. I mean, I'd mm-hmm. given tons as an intern, but I was at one of the busiest stores that. Um, you know, the, the chain that I was working for had, and they had a separate immunization room and all that 
cool stuff. And the tech was the person that was like kind of getting the paperwork done. And I saw who I thought was the patient and you know, that didn't raise any sort of red, red flags, anything like that. That would be out of the ordinary, um, fill out the paperwork and then was good. I had my stuff together. I walked into the, uh, immunization room and I kind of opened the door like with my back cause I had all these papers in my hand, sort of opened the door with my back and I turned around. Turns out the patient who was actually filling out said paperwork, uh, was the caregiver of the patient who was to receive the vaccine. That patient had, um, for some sort of uh, had some sort of uh, accident trauma that had resulted in um, having both arms amputated at the shoulder. So no shoulder, no deltoid whatsoever on either arm to be able to give the vaccine. And also one of the legs, her, uh, the patient's legs had been amputated um, at the hip. And so had one, one leg and the patient was it, it, one of the, made me laugh harder than anybody I think I've ever had. Cause she literally said, uh, Oh, hang on. I'll be right. Then she starts wheeling herself over with her one. Like she goes, I'm not as fast as I used to be. And it just had like the best sense of humor. So I'm like, like, like I, wait I a minute. No... I thought this needed to go in the Delta. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so what do you do when the person does not have said Delta? And, uh, so I kind of just, I mean, I was brand new and I just kind of in the moment just made a decision. I was like, Hey, out of curiosity, where do people normally give you your vaccines to kind of, you know, keep them from hurting and stuff? You go, oh, yeah, just my hip or whatnot. I was like, okay. I'm like, sure. TDAP can go on the hip, probably. Mm, pro- probably. Probably good. <laughs> I mean, it's probably fine. And so I gave it to her, her hip, and then I'm filling that out on, like, the, you know, the paperwork. And as I'm filling it out, I'm like, oh, this is going to get me in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, like, they have, like, things you can circle. The deltoid. Yeah, uh, turns out hip was not on there. Yeah, thigh, other, and you're yeah. like, other. And I'm like documenting the heck out of it. And I remember the pharmacy manager like reading it because I was just filling in at their store. And he was like, whoa, whoa, what did we do? And I was like, it's it was me. And I was like, I made, a, I made, I made an executive decision. <laughs> so I ended up calling like one of my, I think it was actually uh, Dr. Wirt. And, yeah. uh, and asked him, I was like, what do you think if uh, hypothetically? And he was like, nah, that would be fine. I was like, oh. Just got to get in the muscle. Yeah, got, I'd, I'd got, imagine. Got lucky. I'd imagine on the insert it has some something, right? I'm sure. Probably. But yeah, definitely uh, uh, was not my not the best experience for my first vaccine as a licensed pharmacist. Yeah, I've got many vaccine stories, one of which was a poor girl who um, I gave a HPV vaccine to, which, you know, especially with the teenage uh, girls, it's just high risk for passing out. Mm-hmm. So she passed out and um, went very hypertonic, like while she was passed out. And so we called like EMS or her mom wanted to call EMS. We called EMS. Uh, she came to like 30 seconds later, she passed out again, did the same thing, kind of shook a little bit. Um, so I kind of thought it was just like a vasovagal response, but Mm -hmm. maybe some hypertonia. Um, but the mom was pretty convinced that she had a seizure. And so she kind of described it to EMS and kind of played it up a little bit and told them that she had a seizure, took it, went to the hospital. She told the doctor the same thing. So she was diagnosed with a seizure and, uh, was given Keppra, you know, can't drive for six months, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I mean, maybe, but I'm thinking, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think she had a seizure. And, I'm not you know, a neurologist anyway. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't confident. So I wasn't going to like contradict the mom in the moment or anything, but you know, it's, <laughs> I always use this example when I'm doing top discussions with my um, learners because to describe how difficult it is to diagnose a seizure based on like um, caregiver, a witness's description, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and how it can be biased. And, you know, she may or may not have had a seizure, but now that's on her medical record the whole yeah. rest of her life. So. Yeah. 
That's and probably, I mean, especially with that one, that's such a high likelihood of having a vasovagal but I know. It's like, it's the one that's known for having a vasovagal. Right. So it seems likely, but people do have seizures from vaccines yeah. sometimes. So yeah. you get on the phone with the EMS after the mom did it. Oh my gosh, get, you are not going to believe this. We have a human EEG here <laughs> that can determine whether someone's had a seizure just by looking at them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so needle size. Back to that. Yeah. Um, they the one inch needle is the one that I think commonly we end up using. However, there's also recommendations for a one and a half inch, which I know it seems like not not a big deal, but I feel like that's something that gets overlooked quite a bit. And really, the cutoff is if it's a female patient weighing 200 pounds uh, or more, or a male patient weighing 260 pounds or more, then they the ACIP wants you to use a one and a half inch needle. At least in my experience, I've, I don't feel like I've ever seen people swapping that out. Um, I have never seen somebody swap that out. So, I mean, just food for thought. Make sure that we're kind of paying attention to yeah, that. Yeah, so 90-kilogram woman would be, what, hundred and uh, almost 200 pounds. And then 118-kilogram man would be like... Yeah, and, and they say... Greater than, that's like 230 pounds. Yeah, they, they give it in pounds. They say 200 is their oh, cutoff. I'm sorry, I was yeah. reading kilograms. So I didn't even hear you. <laughs> Cole's, Cole's always doing that. He's always reading <laughs> kilograms. <laughs> But um, listen, we have international listeners. That's true. That is very Got good point. Thank you. Thank you, Cole, yeah. for keeping us honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so needle size can can make a difference. Um, interestingly, um, they do mention that gluteal administration should be avoided for standard immunizations. Um, the immunogenicity of the Hep B vaccine is apparently diminished when given in the buttock. Mm. Well, that's I give T that. But again, if the patient does not own, I was going to say, <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> this is, that's for people who have deltoids, right? Yeah, that, that, no, yeah you that. made the right decision. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Good job. I felt, I felt good about it. Um, something that happens Seven years later. Something that happens a lot is um, the opportunity, especially if you're in the retail pharmacy setting. This is pushed on you a lot from <laughs> uh, pushed for pushed for you to push. Yeah, right. Is vaccine co-administration and taking advantage of a patient getting a flu vaccine to say, hey, you need your pneumonia vaccine, so we're going to give this to you as well. Um, vaccine co-administration um, in general is okay um, with dip- at different sites without compromising efficacy. Um, the, they studied the pneumococcal plus the flu vaccine. That it appears to be safe. Um, there was a Finnish study. Those are people from Finland, Mike. Thank you. Um, there's a Finnish study, hmm. about 10,000 individuals, 65 or older, um, about half received the pneumococcal vaccine um, and influenza vaccines together um, and exper- experienced approximately double the number of local reactions and fevers. So that's important to know that they might have a little more of an irritating reaction to it um, compared to about the other half who received influenza alone. Um, so maybe higher rates of some um, adverse effects, but immunogenicity appears to be um, okay. Yeah. Unless, unless of course it's a. No, I think the only time you have to actually worry about like co-administration is the live vaccines. Okay, it's just for live. So if you have, well, you can give them together, which is fine. Yeah. But if you happen to get one and then wait like the next day, you have to then wait a four week period. But otherwise, it doesn't matter. Right, should be administered same day, but otherwise, if not separated. Yeah, that's the only. um, I I would think exception to that. Interesting. Um, And then as far as like contraindications, because when they're filling out the you know their paperwork and whatnot, it asks them all kinds of questions about you know are you feeling sick today, blah blah blah. Um, Some things that are are not contraindications to getting an immunization if the patient has current or recent like mild illness even if it has a a low-grade 
fever. It's not a contraindication. Obviously, if they're really sick, we want to make sure that we're getting the optimal immune response and, you know, we may want to hold off. But if it's just, you know, very mild, um, even if they have a very mild, low-grade fever, um, it's not a contraindication. And they're always going to ask you. Yes. They're going to say, is it okay that I'm sick? Or if they're on antibiotic therapy. Even if they, if it's been recent, or if they're currently still on antibiotic therapy, it's still not a contraindication. You can you can give them that. Still give it. Um, if they have a uh, family history of adverse uh, reactions to immunizations, um, not a contraindication. That's why we have EpiPens and Benadryl, IM, you know, available and things like that. Because in the off chance that they happen to have a reaction, we can treat them accordingly, but it's not a contraindication. Um, you know, if they've had previous mild to moderate local reactions from the vaccine, still again, not, uh, not a contraindication, just an adverse effect. Yep. Um, and so it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I think the the way that from a paperwork standpoint, it can throw people off when they're, you know, Oh, I have a little bit of a fever. Oh, okay, they, well, right. They have to fill out the questions and check yeah. the boxes. And it's always going to ask like, are you at currently ill and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. And it, they can say yes to that. It's good for you to be aware, but it doesn't, maybe yeah. you'll ask some follow up questions exactly. or whatever, but yeah. that's more what it is. Just to make sure you're asking those follow-ups. Yeah. And um, same with anti, if they're on anticoagulation still, again, not a contraindication. You just need to make sure that maybe you need to hold pressure on it a little bit longer if it's, if they're not, you know, clotting after after the injection but it's not anywhere near a a contraindication i've had people like i've had like the blood squirt out like you needle comes out and here we go nice little squirt of blood Mm. right in the eye right in the eye (laughs) that hasn't happened to him luckily but have you had um have you had a situation with your son with uh anything projectile in the the face not no 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 not in the face i did watch uh some projectile um substance get on my wife's arm though and it made me laugh really hard uh, because she just she she just froze and she she was trying she in her defense she handled like a trooper however it happened and just like splashed on her on her arm splash is not probably the right word more (laughs) viscous and uh and she she went she was trying so hard to hold together and she's going what (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh you're doing great babe (laughs) my first experience was in the hospital you know they have like the meconium Mm -hmm. um feces or whatever that's like really thick like tar mm-hmm. and uh i was just changing him and i guess he, he decided to you know spew some of that out and i was i wanted to make sure everything was very clean so i had him you know hog pulled right. up and i was looking directly in there and then pew, just right in the face what oh yeah Poof. oh did you get conjunctivitis <laughs> handled like a champ good i'm sure it's not that gross you know they're, they're newborns it's you know and it didn't yeah. smell bad you know it doesn't smell bad yeah so. well I'd still prefer not in my face, but yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. Good for you, man. That's good. Welcome to fatherhood. I don't know how we got there. Yeah. Well. Anyways. anyways. What, do you, what do you want to tell us? That's then that a background information. Want to jump into some is. of these? Let's jump into some vaccines. So, um, what we decided to do, as opposed to just confusing you with just going through the whole entire schedule of them, we're going to take this more on a vaccine to vaccine approach. Give you information about each. Tell you when it's used. Um, some tidbits to know about it and uh, the updates and we'll hit as we go we will hit the updates related to those vaccines and we'll hit the the new vaccines that have come out and hopefully give you a nice overview of adult vaccinations hopefully how do you feel i I feel like yeah feel confident great maybe um so we're going to start with maybe some lesser known ones Uh, we're kind of going in alphabetical order is probably the best way we figured to do this um so the um h flu type b vaccine abbreviated as the hib the hib hib so it has a couple of uh, brand names actib hibrix pedvax hib 
Um, so you might see this more in the kids, um, but it does have some reasons why you wouldn't be able to use it. Um, of course, a severe allergic reaction um, or a history of allergic reaction to dry natural latex um, for those three brand names that I mentioned. Um, and you want to use caution in a patient who is um, acutely ill. You might want to use caution there. But there aren't any updates to the um, immunization schedule for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as when it's used, uh, it is, uh, I mentioned it was mostly for kids. I don't know why I said that. We're talking about adults. This is for adults. Um, but when it's used, it's either a one or three dose um, series, depending on the indication. And this is kind of at any age range uh, for adults, 19 to uh, over 65 years old. Um, the indications that would um, maybe adjust the, the amount that you get, um, an immunocompromised patients excluding HIV infection, um, then specifically for hematopoietic stem cell transplant patients, they get three doses. Um, otherwise, um, examples like patients with asplenia or complement deficiencies uh, would get one dose uh, and so on. That is the HIB vaccine. And that's HIB isn't with a B, not V. Yes, not H-I, B as in boy. <laughs> there we go, just uh, in case. Yeah, as, as, uh, I'm sure there are some... Um, well, I won't get into that, but there is no <laughs> HIV vaccine that we're aware of. Yes, that we're, yeah, that we're aware of. <laughs> we have not been consulted on such a thing. Um, the hepatitis A vaccine, there's no no new recommendations there either. Um, basically, uh, they just kind of recommend it again, not giving it if the patient is moderate to severe acute illness, um, but uh, no, no new um, changes there. Um, as far as kind of like the the routine uh, vaccination with Hep Hep A, um, basically it's a two dose series, and um, you know patients. There's also a three uh, three dose series as well that you can get if it's in combination with Hep B. Those are Twin Rixes, the brand name that's available. Um, so that's the time it's a, a three dose series. Um, but typically it's it's used in situations where um, you know the patient has some kind of uh, liver disease. Um, so I, I personally see this a lot with our hep C patients. Um, so if they're not immune to hepatitis A, we'll go ahead and get them um, that vaccine at that point before starting treatment. Um, our patients who are at higher risk for um, contracting hepatitis in general, so patients who um, inject uh, IV drugs or um, patients who are experiencing homelessness, um, obviously patients who are working in uh, close proximity to um, patients that may be uh, from areas where that's high uh, endemic rates of hepatitis A, or if you're working directly with the virus, you probably want to go ahead and get that get that vaccine. But um, it's as far as the actual routine recommendations, it hasn't really changed anything. Yep. So that's Hep A. Uh, we also have a hepatitis B vaccine, right? We do. Um, so Mike mentioned the Twinrix, which is the combo Hep A, Hep B, but there are a few brand names of the Hep B alone. The Ingrix B, Recombivax HB, and the Hepislav B. Um, there are some situations where it would be contraindicated, and this is just um, severe anaphylaxis, of course. And then Hepislav B, in particular, is contraindicated in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Hepislav B. Um, as far as changes, so we do have some updates um, to the Hep B vaccine with the 2022 guidelines. So they're recommending universal vaccination to all adults 19 to 59. So that's different than what we had before, mm-hmm. right? What we're used to is recommending it to patients who may be at high risk. I always think of diabetic patients who inject as being at higher risk for hepatitis B infection, but I'll go over some other patients who are at higher risk. Uh, but they're recommending universal vaccination, 19 to 59. Uh, above 59, so 60 and older, 
uh, they're recommending it with patients who have specific risk factors, uh, which I'll go over in a minute. But that's the only time it's indicated there. And I think it's one of those things that they they left it open ended like that because obviously it's not going to hurt them <laughs> right. to get the vaccine. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, before it was very specific about who was a candidate, and I, I kind of I think it's a good idea to include all adults because yeah, yeah, not one of those that we want to run the risk of getting. Right, I agree. Um, depending on the brand name that you're using, it could it's the amount of injections uh, will differ two, three, or four doses. Um, as far as patients who are at high risk, like special situations, um, chronic liver disease, HIV infection. Um, potential risk with sexual exposure, injection drug use, uh, people who are incarcerated, um, diabetes, that sort of thing. So. Well, and the thing with, uh, like, a, from a patient who may be at risk from a sexual exposure, too, um, one way to kind of evaluate quickly, I think we talked about this when we've mentioned, when we've talked through some of the hep C, yep. um, you know, topics before, but um, checking a surface antigen. So hep B surface antigen level can, is kind of indicative of a acute hep B infection. So if someone were to have uh, an sexual encounter where the partner had a, sur- a surface antigen, um, a hep B surface antigen that was positive, then um, at that point, you may want to go ahead and uh, consider vaccination to try to hopefully prevent the, 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 the virus from infecting the patient yep um and so yeah the if you if you're ever treating someone with hep c for example or any kind of other like liver disease and you're doing routine um, hep b screening and their surface antigen is positive that means they've already obviously have an acute uh, acute hep b but if their surface antibody is negative that means that they have not received immunization and go ahead and give them the needle give them the needle yeah that's what that's, that's my catchphrase yeah shoot them no, don't say Jordan. that. Is that what we say? Cool. Jordan. That's a new. It's our T-shirt now. What is that from? Available. I have no idea. It's from that. You don't know that's from. I don't know what that's from. <laughs> my, you're just doing a voice. No, my football coaches used to holler that. It's from uh, an old Discovery Channel show where they would hunt alligators. Do you remember that in Louisiana? Oh no. No. An alligator show? Is it a movie or was it an actual like documentary show? No, maybe it was crocodiles. It was like a documentary, there's not a documentary, not but crocodiles? it, it, it was crocodiles like crocodiles in Louisiana. Yeah, it must have been alligators. Uh, gators. Yeah, yeah, it was gators. Yeah. Because <laughs> they had the Louisiana accents. Jeez, um, I can't believe you've never seen this. Um, <laughs> I can't. It, it was reality, not, it was undocumentary. It was reality television uh, where they would go and they hunt alligators in Louisiana. There you go. And, you know, they would, uh, <laughs> they would shoot them and <laughs> they would, uh-huh. you know, they would, <laughs> they would haul them up to the boat and then they'd start hollering, shoot them, shoot them. And they'd, they'd shoot them. <laughs> Sounds like a good show. Every just, episode is very similar. Listen, I'm just trying to make relevant pop culture no, that's good. references from a show from, that aired from 2000 years ago. Nine, yeah, that's good. Cole's an old an old soul, if you will. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> HPV vaccination. Uh, yeah, go ahead while I look up what the show's called. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, because we're all di- we are all dying to find out, so we can make sure we all watch that. Not, I'm just kidding. Um, HPV vaccination, so uh, recommended for all patients uh, who are, are um, uh, under the age of 26. So usually we start the initial vaccination um, at the age of nine, in the range of nine to 14 years of age. Uh, and at that point, uh, if the patient has Historically, if the patient has started uh, the their vaccination um, at 15 years of age of older, um, then they do a three dose series and um, 
there's a two dose series as well and we won't go into all that but uh it's basically you know we've historic historically we've thought of this as being something we've given to younger patients um however over the last couple of years there's been more data coming out um that shows that we, there's some benefit here uh for older uh, patients as well and in, in, you know adult patients so um, there's some de- a de- shared clinical decision making um, option for getting hpv vaccination for patients who are at the age of 27 to 45 years of age now and uh, it can be a two or three dose series um, depending on when the dosing interval was given and all that but uh, it, it's our older patient population i feel like is something that um, you know is, is important to consider when you know historically we haven't really thought of that as being one of the vaccines to give patients um and if a patient has any kind of like uh you know no history and they need to routine catch-up um for their vaccination for hpv that's going to be important or if they're some kind of an immunocompromising um conditions um or if uh if it's a pregnant patient um you know to uh you know you need to give vaccination to then um you need to hold off uh, until um, after pregnancy. Right. So that's HPV. Mm-hmm. And now I will say, if you do vaccinate a pregnant patient, there's is kind of a caveat. This is you don't have if you inadvertently vaccinate a pregnant patient, you don't have to do anything in particular. It's just typically we wait until after. Yes. All right. All right. So I'm going to go for the big one, right? What What you going? Influenza Ooh, comes good. right after HPV. It does. So, um, yeah, let me know what I miss. But um, so flu vaccine. So in some ways it's simple, in some ways it's not. Uh, there are a multitude of brain names for the inactivated um, influenza vaccine. Uh, but then, of course, we're going to try to highlight when there are live vaccines because there's only a few. So we're going to try to highlight those. There is a live um, attenuated influenza vaccine branded as flu mist quadrivalent. Uh, there's also a recombinant influenza vaccine, and that is flu block um, quadrivalent. And those are all slightly different. Um, as far as contraindications. So I'll, I'll touch on those here. I'll touch on those when I'm talking about the schedule. Um, but there are, um, egg based, um, uh, influenza vaccines. And so a severe allergic reaction to, um, egg component would be an issue there. And then there are also uh, branded vaccines that do not uh, involve eggs. And so that's what you would want to use in that instance. Um, use, uh, a, there is a risk for Guillain-Barre syndrome, of course, um, within six weeks after a previous dose of any type of flu vaccine. So if they've had Guillain-Barre before, then that would be a precaution, uh, not necessarily a contraindication, but a precaution to getting, um, another flu vaccine. And that would be kind of a risk benefit situation there. Um, I think I'm going to hit the rest of the contraindications with the live vaccines when I talk about the schedule, but, Basically, um, we're mainly talking about adults, but this one's kind of easy to, to say. Basically, all individuals who don't have a contraindication six months and older are recommended to have a flu vaccine, one dose annually. Um, so in that sense, it's easy. Uh, but there are some um, situations where the live vaccine, for instance, is contraindicated. Um, so I just want you to be aware of those, even though, do we really use the live vaccine? I mean, I can't tell you the last time I even saw anybody no. get flu mist. It, uh, so if you recall, it was taken off the market for being um, no better than placebo for like, what, a year, two years? Yeah, something Put like that. back on the market. Um, the only real reason I can think to use it if it's, is if somebody just really doesn't want an injection and wants a nasal spray. Yeah. That's the only reason. Of course, there also is the, <laughs> uh, um, the jet injector. Where it pushes the high pressure you know, stream of fluid that penetrates the skin instead of using a needle. 
What? Yeah, a, a Fluria vaccine jet injector. What? Yeah, you haven't seen that? No. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, it sounds insane. Like, a, well, you don't want a needle, but you want this stream of liquid this, to this be shot. It's burst of yeah, liquid. Yeah. This shotgun of liquid right. shot into your arm. It seems preposterous. Hey, it's needleless. <laughs> it, is, it is technically needleless. It's you gonna know, hurt a lot. You know why I believe that? Huh? Have you ever used a water pick? Well, because it's true. <laughs> Have you used a water pick? No. Okay, so they work wonders. It's it's instead of having to floss. Which do you floss? Mm-hmm. Do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I probably not as often as I probably need well, to, but well, yeah. I'll be I'll be honest here, okay? Don't floss. Um, should I? Yes. Do I? No. But I do, country, man. I do occasionally use my water pick, mm. which uh, is, is supposed to be better than flossing. And those things are powerful. So a water pick is like a, it pulses water in between your gums. I have seen that, okay. Yeah? Powerful. I could definitely imagine if I crank that thing up, it could break the skin in my deltoid. Maybe. Listen, you know what I do? But your gums don't get broken from it? Listen, when I, you know, around the room of your um, uh, sink in your bathroom when Mm -hmm. you neglect it, lots of soap scum Mm -hmm. and mildew? Sure. Crank that water pick up to max, Mm -hmm. tilt it, aim it towards the mildew, bang, 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 cleans it all up. Hmm. You're going to have it splattered all over your mirror. Right. But it takes it right out instead of having to like rub it down with a toothbrush or some nonsense. Well, the, the things we get to learn on this podcast. Listen. One time I sprayed my foot with a power washer. My accident <laughs> took the skin right off. That, and so I imagine if that was a vaccine. I mean, that's effectively what a water pick is. It is a pressure washer for your teeth. Right. Sounds like you need to just get floss. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I will be honest. I hate flossing. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, okay. So just so you know, even though you might not see it or you might see the afluria injector, um, the live vaccine contraindications do not use in pregnancy, do not use in immunocompromised, um, HIV infection don't use asplenia complement deficiencies don't use and then precaution in patients who might be at increased risk for infection but aren't necessarily immunocompromised in that sense diabetes chronic liver disease heart or lung disease alcoholism in stage renal disease or or dialysis otherwise everybody else can get it six months and older is the live vaccine approved for six months don't actually two? don't quote me on that yeah. sorry but flu vaccine in general if only we had looked that up i know flu vaccine in general six months and older um everybody can get I, one I, it's definitely not six months just, no yeah, the, yeah. the live vaccine is not down to six months so forget about that i'm talking about uh, adults but just in general a flu vaccine can go down to six months there you go yeah. um so yeah there you go um also in older uh patients so um we have 65 and over we have the high dose quadrivalent the uh, flu zone high dose um and then we also have fluod still on the market as well so fluod is basically the standard flu vaccine with a um squalene emulsion adjuvant added to it to hopefully increase the immunogenicity of the vaccine and then the flu zone high dose is just a higher dose of the vaccine that we would typically give to a younger patient um i you know historically they've kind of just said ah you know pick whichever one is available um i know when the trivalent uh when the flu zone high dose was still a trivalent vaccine they had actually done like a head-to-head comparison with the standard trivalent vaccine and it was superior i think the number if i remember correctly i don't have in front of me but i think it was like 218 um was the number needed to treat which from a cost-benefit analysis actually was um a good you know thing to to get the higher dose for those older patients can you consider how many patients you're yep. getting the vaccine um but however the fluid was not really any different plus it had more adverse effects because that squealing emotion so i know me personally i tend to like lean towards the the flu zone high dose um but if a patient is uh 
you know, needing the vaccine and flu adds all that's available, then that's obviously still an option. But right. the, they're not necessarily equivalent um, per se, even though they haven't been compared head to head. Right. Yeah. The, the guidelines don't really give preferences. Um, but since we evaluate literature critically, we can determine our own ish ish, ish. Cr- critically ish ish <laughs> asterisks <laughs> asterisks beside that so yeah uh, influenza vaccine when that's coming up we uh it's a time it is it's about that time because yeah it is so middle of august so ideally I bet the shipments are coming in man october yeah is when we're usually trying to get it yeah but i remember we would get shipments mid late august early september and and we you know try try to get as many people done as we could then before the onslaught in October because all the doctors say Halloween. Yeah, that's what. That's how they tell people to remember. Yeah, which I mean I feel like is a good because the patients who get it in like early like August or even like July if it's yeah. available it's like that's it can I mean it, I mean, it can flu lose season's not till February yeah, so it can lose it especially if you have a late season it can yeah. cause some problems yeah so, I don't know anyways um. You want to uh, jump to um, pneumonia since that's kind of a new. Sure. So for those of you who um, remember the very hard to, to keep track of uh, previous pneumococcal uh, vaccine guidelines where, you know, the patient had, they had certain conditions and they could get the PPSV 23. If they had other conditions like HIV or immunocompromised, then they could get the PCV 13 or Prevnar 13, which is the conjugate vaccine. And then they'd have to get the Pneumovax. Vaccine. It was just this whole, like, you know how many, like, I don't know. I felt like I spent many hours trying to get all that nonsense straight and then relooking it up because I forgot exactly how it needed to be. I talked about it so many times, like with students or like, with, and now it doesn't even, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. There's so many things like that. that's going to happen though. I know. So now we have a new Prevnar. Not, it's not just 13 anymore. No. We have Prevnar 20. 20. PCV 20. They didn't go up to 17. They sure didn't. They didn't stop at 18. Nope. They didn't even stop at 19. All the way to it. They did, however, stop at 20. <laughs> <laughs> they said, nope, no more. No more. And uh, um, we also have another conjugate vaccine available um, that is produced by uh, Merck, I believe, the PCV-15. 15. 15. I was, I was kind of, I was joking, like, with one of the uh, drug reps from Pfizer. And uh, I was kind of like, could you imagine how mad? I mean, I know this isn't exactly how it played out, but it makes it funnier in my head. If I was, if they're like, "Yeah, we get this new, you know, PCV vaccine coming out. It's gonna be great. It's got 15 serotypes that it's gonna cover instead of the Prevnar 13." And then they find out that Pfizer's got a new Prevnar yeah. 20 coming out. They're like, "Crap!" Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that just made me laugh. If man. you're wondering, the PCV 15 is branded as Vax Nuvance. Yeah, uh, that's kind of a strange name. I'm not a big fan of that name me either. But uh, the problem with not the problem, but the issue I, I personally have as far as recommending that one to patients is you still have to follow that one up with P, uh, PPSV 23. Wah, wah. Yeah. And so the old school Pneumovax 23 is still in play with use that one. If you use Prevnar 20, you don't have to worry about it. You can do one and done. And uh, Prevnar 20 basically is just being, instead of being only for patients who are 65 and over, like the previous or immunocompromised, mm-hmm. now all those conditions that we previously would treat with Pneumovax uh, 23, um, we can now just kind of also include with the Prevnar 20 group. Yeah. And so you can get it at a younger age. And, so uh, much easier. So much easier. Just like anybody, any adult, PCV 20, call it a day. Yeah. It's a lot easier. God. And the data is so much better than it was with 13, too. Yeah. So that's good news. Is 13 even available anymore? Yeah, because it's nowhere kids, in the guideline. Oh, kids. Oh, kids, is it? So, kids yeah. And uh, I don't. I think it's still going to be a year or two before P- PCV 20 is available okay. or approved for kids. But yeah, so we still we keep it because we have a PEDS wing. I see. So, for um, adults, for it's adults, not even though, it's it listed not, in the guideline. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. Then just to throw this out there, um, 
the difference between the polysaccharide vaccine and the conjugate vaccine, because that is um, something that's important to kind of uh, keep in mind and why we always prefer to use a conjugate vaccine. Um, if I'm giving a, a polysaccharide vaccine, it's basically just like mimicking the outer polysaccharide like coat of the bacteria that it's still like in the instance of pneumovax 23 you have that polysaccharide coat um so that like you know b lymphocytes and whatnot can bump into that and recognize that with and produce antibodies and, and what have you um you're not getting any sort of t cell activation though because once it engulfs the um that coat it's not able to actually present anything on the cell surface like you know, you know utilizing an antigen presenting cell and um, then get t-cells uh, involved so you sometimes see like polysaccharide vaccines is um, referred to as like t-cell independent vaccines because you're really just getting the the b-cell activation um and you know on that side of things whereas a conjugate vaccine takes that polysaccharide coat and they also conjugate like in the case of prevnar diphtheria carrier proteins to um that that polysaccharide code so that now you actually have something to present on the cell surface that gets t-cells activated and then um you kind of go from there you get a much better immune response which is why previously we would do 13 before 23 because even though it doesn't cover as many serotypes you kind of prime the immune system so to speak right and uh you know get it ready for the, the polysaccharide it's also why we don't give polysaccharide vaccines to um younger like kid like newborns and stuff like that until at least i think two years old usually right so definitely conjugate vaccine is going to be a much better immunogenistic response right there you go um i did want to briefly mention uh the mmr vaccine which is a live vaccine no updates there um it's recommended um 18 to 65 um unless you have a contraindication and then the uh, meningococcal vaccines, which there are a number of them, and then there's a couple different serogroups um, to be aware of. There's the A, C, W, and Y, branded as Menactra, MenVO, or MenQuadvi, and then there's the serogroup B, Bexero, and Trumenba. Um, they're recommended at any adult age, um, unless you have a contraindication, and the dose is kind of varied depending on um, which one you get. Yeah, and also the the Menactra um, is the the conjugate because what's the I don't have it in front of me now. I'm trying to pull it back up. There's one of them the the amino, uh, the meningococcal that's uh, covers those four serotypes, but it's the polysaccharide vaccine. So the make sure it's the conjugate is the one that's typically recommended. Um, have you seen the, the commercials for? Uh, I want to say it's the Bexera. It's one of the, I think it's one of the meningococcal B. The very sad one about yeah, like. the kid's like talking to the picture. Yeah. And he's like, if, if, my, if my mom had only vaccinated <laughs> me for meningitis B. He's like, I would be here. You, I, I would you, be alive. You, but you didn't know though, right, know, right mom? I know. I like, that's the most disturbing commercial what is, of all Is time. it the FTC who's supposed to regulate that kind of stuff? I, I don't know. Federal Trade, I think. I, I feel mean, like we need to do a better job. That's pretty brutal. Dude, have you seen the, shing, the shingles va uh, commercial recently? Uh -uh. Does, uh the Shingrix vaccine. No, it's a little disturbing, but like they, it's, it's this guy and he's just talking all chill. And then he lifts up his shirt and he's like, yeah, this is my buddy over here. And it's just this nasty shingles infection on his stomach. And I'm like, yeah, anybody who sees that will get the shot. Cause it looks disgusting. Yeah, like it's just it's a very accurate de depiction the, yeah. of a pretty rough shingles, um, Outbreak. activation. Uh, yeah, it's Oof. disturbing. Well, there you go. I mean, if that's helpful, that's good. I don't know about like the, if my kid, mom the only kid, the kid talking yeah, to the meningitis because yeah, it, it's probably the worst one. It, it's one of those things that you have to get before like um college and stuff right because mm -hmm. it, it tends to go around in like dorm rooms and things like that yep, um, yep. yeah so anyways mmr and meningitis no updates 
What's next? What have we got? Uh, TDAP. Yes. So I think the big thing with TDAP is that uh, we used to say that you get the TDAP at one point, you know, it, you know, per lifetime, unless you're it's a pregnant female or something like that. And, um, you know, the, then when we needed a tetanus booster, you could do just that. Now they've kind of moved to where you can get um, the TDAP as your booster and, and use that as instead of you getting the just the TD, you can actually get the re, uh, redosing of the pertussis component as well. Which I feel like, you know, that's that obviously makes makes sense. Right. And um, you know, that's something that uh is still recommended at every pregnancy. Um, even if the patients had you know the their TDAP previously, if they become pregnant again then they want to revaccinate again. Yes. Tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. Yes. Specifically whooping. for that pertussis component. Whooping cough. Whooping cough. I had whooping cough. That's not fun. You know, it's 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 a weird experience when you have a kid and you're like, um, you're like, hey, everybody, did you get, you know, did you get your DDAP? Like, uh, you know, just you better. make sure you got your whooping cough vaccine. Or don't come over here. And they're like, oh, you know, it's like, no. oh, I'll be fine. I'll be like, no, I really don't want him to get whooping cough. <laughs> please, please get the vaccine. I'm not um, trying to get my son whooping cough, yeah. if you don't mind. It's just not ideal. <laughs> it's um, really not. We have the varicella vaccine, branded as Varavax. No updates to the routine vaccination schedule. Um, so it is still uh, recommended in uh, 18 up to 65 unless you have contraindication, which would be instances like pregnancy because it is a live vaccine uh, or immunocompromised uh, individuals. Did you have chicken pox when you were a kid? Do yeah. you remember? Did you? Oh, yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And my parents put, um, what was that, the calamine lotion? Yeah. And, uh, Didn't I, we just talk about calamine lotion? Uh, maybe we did. did what we? was that about? I don't remember. Okay. But I remember. I, so this is one of those weird memories where, like, I feel like I I remember it, but I think it's just because my dad told me because he yeah. thought he thought it was funny at the time. He was like, uh, "Yeah, you were covered head to toe in the set, and we had you all this." And he's like, nah, "And you were just like sitting there all with your arms up like this, and you're like, I'm covered in this pink stuff now too." <laughs> he thought it was funny. I was like, "I probably traumatized." No, I, and, I guess uh, I got the shot and never had chicken pox. Never had it. Right on. Yeah. Well, there you go. Speaking of which, yeah, the next vaccine. What, Zoster? Yeah. Tell us about it. Me? Yeah, dude. All right. I feel like you were on a roll here. It's, okay. the, it's basically the same kind of thing. Rocking and rolling. So um, the Zoster vaccine. So there's the old Zostavax live vaccine. Yeah. Not really using that. Don't worry yeah. about that one. <laughs> um, new one, Shingrix. Much better efficacy. Non-live. Better. That's what we got. Uh, as far as recommendations, there aren't actually any updated recommendations. Um, uh, they changed some wording in the guideline, but none of it is um, specifically, I, I guess, not exactly important. They they talk about pregnancy. They haven't. They don't give a recommendation about pregnancy, but they do say consider delaying it until after. So and it's well, it's in because we can give it to younger patients if they're immunocompromised. Yes, because you typically save it for patients who are fifty years of age and older. Right, um, but they will consider because it's not their original live vaccine. If they're immunocompromised, they will t- um, give the series early. So that's where the pregnancy thing really comes into play. Right, so it can be used in any adult patient um, who is immunocompromised. Still, the two dose series. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. I have an interesting anecdote. Uh, we were um, we had a visit from our district manager, so not a regional manager, but like person above mm-hmm. that district manager. This is when you were working like in dispensary. Yeah, this is when I was in retail. It was early on, I believe, because I wasn't PIC at that point. So our pharmacist in charge was there, and um, part of the uh, part of what we were doing at that time was um, pushing, you know, 
flu vaccines, but also pushing subsequent vaccines and whatnot. And so we would look them up on the vaccine registry when they got a flu vaccine and we would offer them whatever they were missing. Right. Mm-hmm. So she had one of the technicians, um, the district manager did, had one of the technicians look, um, to, to, had her look her up to, to demonstrate that she knew how to do it in the vaccine registry or whatever. So she looked her up and then um, she had the pharmacist come over and take a look at it. And he's like, oh, you're due for your um, shingles vaccine. Um, and she was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and you know, he's trying to be like, Oh yeah, you, we can put, we push these hard. Right. And so mm-hmm. he's like, you're due for your shingles vaccine while we get it today. She's like, okay. So <laughs> oh, no. he gets the shingles <laughs> together and you know, he was around for the era of Zostavax. Uh-huh. So I guess he was nervous or something, <laughs> gave the derned shingles vaccine, which should be, I am mm-hmm. Zostavax was sub Q stuck the one inch needle up the back of her arm and gave it to her. So heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the district manager. It might have been the district. He didn't like the district manager. He came up, no, dude. He came up to me afterwards, so like a few minutes later, when he realized, he's like, dude, I just gave her the, 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 the Shingrix vaccine uh, in the background. I said, what? He's like, I don't know. I just got nervous. I got nervous. I panicked. I was like, That's how could you do that? So, was, was, the, was the district manager a, a pharmacist? Yeah. Well, how do they not know? She did, but I guess she just like let him do it because I don't know. He was probably just in the middle of it. Maybe she was so shocked, so he addressed it and like apologized. And I guess she's gonna have to get it again. I, mean, I, I don't just... know. It was a one inch needle. Do you think it could have gotten through the sub Q tissue and like into some muscle? I doubt it. Right. I, don't know. I mean, I guess to be like, it's not gonna hurt to get it again. Probably. No, so no she'll just get it again. But get it again. How mortifying. For, for if you if that happened it's pretty it funny. wouldn't happen to me because i'm not i don't know because i wouldn't have panicked i know oh god I'm, I'm always calm cool and collected that's the best <laughs> i was like come on man How yeah did you do that you know it's just a person right you don't have to be that nervous <laughs> um that's what, that's what that person gets for showing off in the first place oh we, we push these vaccines hard golly that's yeah, i don't miss me that to at think all about. Um, anything else with these? I know. So yeah, so the big change uh, is with the new pneumococcal vaccines. Obviously, we have the COVID vaccines. We talked about them in previous episodes. We're not going to go into all the the weeds, um, but just obviously be aware that they're out there. They are down approved down to six months for the Pfizer vaccine, six months for the Moderna vaccine, eighteen and older for Janssen vaccine, and then there's a newer one. Um, called Novavax or from Novavax. I'm not entirely sure, but it, it's newer, um, 18 and older for it. Um, and yes, there are, of course, different doses, different dosing schedules for all of them, um, but they are out there. There you go. We just we preferred not to get into the weeds on that since we covered it relatively recently yeah. on a different episode. Right. In pretty, much, in pretty significant detail, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't remember. Maybe I don't remember it. which episode it was. Yeah, it's been a minute. But I think long, uh, there's a company that's also working on like a um, a dual influenza and COVID vaccine that's together in one vaccine, I believe, too. Really? Yeah. Which, I mean, that's what it's going to turn into. It's going to just be an annual vaccine, is my guess. I guess. So. Yeah. Yippee. It's another shot to get. Yeah. Well, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. It's cool. Anything else, man? That's all I got. All right, guys. Well, make sure you're, again, you go to the show notes, check out the link, password is vaccine, take that test. If, if you are unable to take the test, it's because you're not a member and you got to become a member. Become a member. Join the cool kids. Check out freece.com. Again, thanks to them. And uh, as always, I so want to give a big shout out to uh, our main podcast sponsor, Pearls. Um, thanks to them for uh, continuing to sponsor the podcast. If you've not checked them out, um, the app or uh, the website, Pearls is P Y R L S.com. 
go to slash color consult rx and uh, you can sign up for a free account check out the uh the app check out the charts all the good stuff they have available um definitely uh, a solid tool to add to your arsenal of clinical uh tools <laughs> but i'm um, not we we definitely uh appreciate them continuing to sponsor the podcast as well and um check them out and uh let, let them know that we sent you so you know can kind of help support the people that support us and um you know go from there but uh thank you guys so much for listening if you have any questions or comments or anything make sure you send us a an email um or you can reach us on any of the social media platforms uh the number that you can text us directly is in the show notes and um you know thank you guys for hanging in there with us we're slowly approaching episode 200 you guys thought i wasn't going to mention it this episode but there it is saved it for the end um, but yeah, thank you all so much. It really does mean a lot to us, the, um, you know, the, all of our listeners and supporters. And uh, if you want more traditional lecture styles, don't forget about the Patreon, patreon.com slash rx. Download all the slides, um, get actual lectures and feel like you're in school again. So yeah, we'll see you guys around on the next episode. Have a great one.